Welcome back to another episode of the Excellence Cartel, guys. We have the one, the only Paul Austin joining us today. He is the author of Microdosing Psychedelics, A Practical Guide to Upgrade Your Life. I promise you guys are going to really love this podcast. It's going to honestly fucking kick ass. That much I promise. But first, before we get all the kick ass stuff, let me turn it over to Jeffrey Sue and find out how his last seven days have been. Your uh, kitchen looks like you've actually got a plant that's living. So you must huh. not be burning down the whole fucking house. You know, things are good over here. Uh, the plant behind me is doing well, as are the other ones that, you know, I, I'm in custody of. Uh, no children for me, so just plants. Um, last seven days have been quite uneventful, I would say. I mean, just plugging along with business. Um, you know, I, I'm, I was preparing a little bit for the upcoming classes that I'm teaching. I'm teaching the labs class tomorrow, uh, Cybo next week. Um, it snowed over here. We had a we had a little storm, so I got the first taste of uh, shoveling like a driveway that can park like six cars, maybe um, you know six cars length or whatever. And uh, I had to shovel that twice um, over the weekend, so that was fun. Um, but then the next day, you know, I tweaked my back shoveling. But then the next day, I pulled a deadlift PR, and I got uh, five hundred pounds for six reps, which was good. You good. know. Um, so overall, you know, I would say life is pretty good. Just plugging along. Nothing really exciting to report, honestly. All right. Well, Jason, how's your last seven days been, bud? Business is good. Um, I've had a few people sign up. Um, and, you know, other than that, um, you know, got uh, we had to record early because I have a funeral for a friend today. So if I'm a little more somber, you know, just all that but let me uh, send you a dick pic no all right i, I, was I don't offering. i think i think i'm gonna skip but i really do appreciate <laughs> your generosity though um yeah so other than that um things are kind of business as usual on mine yeah man uh things have been going good for me um i know we've talked about doing lake havasu and some of the stuff so guys we're gonna get you some dates on the pec but honestly man my set last seven days has been chill for me the gym starts growing a little bit, you know, you get more clients around December, which is cool because those are the ones that are usually a little bit more serious than the January go-getters. Um, a lot of people really seem like they're kind of, I don't know, maybe wanting to make a change for the healthy. Maybe COVID changed some minds is what I've noticed with the gym pop people. They're getting a little bit more into health as wealth as a uh, as an investment. And um, I'll be honest, I started uh, back on microdosing ahead of uh, – having Paul on and uh, started LSD uh, Sunday, did 500 milligrams of mushrooms yesterday, which um, was my first time doing uh, mushrooms probably in about two years in a microdosing form. And I forgot, man, I really like it because you're just always in a very chipper place. Like you're very still. And then when you think those thoughts are very powerful, like they like resonate with you. Like if you hit like a strumma, I like to say strumma guitar, how it hits hard and then just slowly fades away. That's like how you feel on it. So it's a really good introspection uh, for yourself. And then today, ahead of Paul, I had to make sure I microdosed LSD again, just to make sure that this would go creatively into a flow area. Um, so, Paul, I don't know if you've been microdosing like me, but uh, how's your last seven days been, bud? Last seven days have been good. I, I got a week off, which is, which is rare. So last week I was up in Asheville uh, for like five nights in a cabin on 300 acres, about eight miles outside downtown, just got to chill, did a journey, uh, what they call a hippie flip MDMA and the psilocybin had time to read and cook and just basically 
do nothing, which is a rare uh, thing in my world. And then came back here and, and microdose with LSD on Saturday. There's uh, I live in Miami at the moment. And mm-hmm. normally every year in December, they have this thing called Art Basel. But because of COVID, they just have Art Miami. And so they just have like a few cool exhibitions. So I microdosed some L with a friend and we got a chance to go to a few exhibits and play ping pong. And it's just been, it's been really great reading a couple good books and um, the, the weather in Miami, it's warm and sunny. I mean, it, it hit a record low almost. It was like 55 degrees last night, which is Ooh, crazy you cold. You needed a hoodie, but, didn't you? And a beanie. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I managed, got to the beach a little bit still. So, yeah, things are good. Real good. So uh, tell me about that hippie flip or whatever, the MDMA. Was like, I, I got, I've never heard that before. I, I wanted, what's the purpose behind it? Because, you know, MDMAs we'll talk about today is being used with some really cool PTDSD yeah. stuff. But I didn't know that people were combining the two. Yeah, well, it's so there's a candy flip, right? The candy flip is LSD and then MDMA, and the hippie flip is is psilocybin mushrooms and MDMA, and and it's also called MNM. And what's nice is, you know, psilocybin mushrooms, especially at higher doses, can go into a dark place, right? Like mm-hmm. even if you have a set and setting that's really great, there's just things that you excavate in your subconscious or unconscious that are a little gnarly sometimes. So when you take MDMA with the psilocybin, it just, you know, like MDMA does, it's this really warm, heart opening, everything is love, everything is beautiful sort of experience. So it just puts this sort of like nice veneer around the psilocybin experience. So you still have that sort of crispness that comes with the psychedelic experience, the sharpness that comes with it, but it's encased in like a real nice softness and, and, and warmth. And, uh, you know, normally when I do MDMA, it's with friends or with, you know, a partner or something like that. But this is the first time I actually did it by myself and just listened to music, went for a hike, um, just got a chance to like chill and, and drop in. And it was it was good. It's real good. Badass, man. So um, I want to go ahead and start tearing in this and getting people familiar with a little bit of who you are and how your journey started. So I was reading, you know, you have a typical, well, maybe a little bit atypical because of the Calvinist uh, raising, but, you know, typical middle American uh, dude, just kind of going about learning life, you know, parents who cared, um, you know, the chances to be able to kind of go and see and experience different things. So what led you from kind of just, you know, um, I'm a lot like you in the sense that middle income background, the whole so forth. If you told me that drugs were these great things that, you know, 20 years ago, I'd be like, no, they're losers, you know, because, you know, that was just where I was stuck at at that time. And just the, um, how did that journey unfold for you that led you from where you started to how you arrived? So when I was 16 for the first time, you know, I'd always had more of like an independent streak, you know, rabble rouser did my own thing. And my best friend in high school, just after we turned 16, so we could drive cars and, you know, there was that sense of newfound freedom. We went into this like rab ass, like concrete hut in the middle of nowhere and had this pen that we made this like really janky bowl out of and just smoked weed for the first time. And it was like, holy shit, this is great. So we bought more weed, kept smoking. Parents found out they weren't too happy. And I was like, oh, this shit, you know, it's like, it's fun. It's interesting. Like something's here. So then when I was 19, that same friend was like, I found some mushrooms. You want to do some mushrooms? So I was like, sure, let's do some mushrooms. So we did some mushrooms in the basement. I was in a fraternity in college at the time. It was like winter break. We snuck in the basement, did some mushrooms there. And it was like interesting and, you know, like nothing super profound. And then five months later, got my hand into LSD and did that on like a beautiful early, you know, early spring day, 70s, sunny, out to the beach in the woods. 
I was just like, everything opened up and, you know, the typical sort of high dose, profound psychedelic experience. I am everything. Energy is the currency of life, you know, vibrational frequency, all that sort of shit. And just came down from that and was like, just total perspective shift. And, um, and then after that proceeded to, to work with psychedelics several, several more times in, in, in college. And, and then when I got to the point where I was graduating from school, you know, I'm 30 now. So this is basically 10 years ago. I was like, shit, I don't want to do like the normal corporate MBA bullshit thing. Like being in an office, being a job that sounds boring as fuck. I'm, I'm in my twenties. I'm young. I'm energetic. I'm, you know, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Let's hack my way around the world. So I figured out how to hack credit cards and signed up for a bunch of credit cards. I got a bunch of free frequent flyer miles, uh, you know, <laughs> flew to Turkey and taught English there for a year, lived in Thailand for a year and just sort of like found this really unique path where I could be an entrepreneur, I could start a business and I could take that risk um, because I didn't have sort of the potential overhead of a car and a house and a mortgage and insurance and all this other bullshit that we deal with in the States. I could just be totally free. And then in 2015, kind of came full circle. I was living in Thailand and microdosing with LSD to build this first business that I was that I was working on. And I was listening to a podcast where uh, Dr. Jim Fadiman was talking about microdosing. And I was like, oh shit, sounds really interesting. Like whenever I did LSD back in the day at higher doses for the week or two weeks after we had, you know, you'd have this afterglow where everything would just felt easier. There's less resistance. You're in more flow. It's easier to connect with people. You make better decisions about diet and exercise and all those sorts of things. And I was like, damn, I wonder if I microdose, if I can extend that afterglow to be indefinite. And so I started to microdose with LSD twice a week, was blown away by how I felt the results, the outcome. And then um, was like, there's really not, this is again in 2015, five years ago, there really wasn't a, a, a website that portrayed psychedelics in a more sort of responsible, um, you know, modern aesthetic. There were old forums that were really hippie and sixties and counterculture, but there wasn't anything that presented psychedelics as something that your normal average everyday upstanding citizen would do. And I was like, shit, if we can create a content platform around this, you know, like psychedelics are going to be the next cannabis. This is going to be the future of mental health. Let's start getting information about, out about that right now. And so I just started to like create content, wrote that book about microdosing, did a few talks and then just sort of rode the wave. And it's been a fucking journey ever since then, you know, in, in 2018, I started a psilocybin retreat center in the Netherlands because psilocybin truffles are legal in the Netherlands right now and did high dose journeys for people in the Netherlands at a beautiful church a 90 year old church oh, that they had renovated yeah. into a modern day uh, wellness center. We would have Americans fly over and people from all over the EU come in. Uh, this is just after Michael Pollan's book was published. Yeah. And then it's just been like, you keep, you just keep growing the business. You keep, you know, making content and, and uh, creating courses and doing podcasts. And we're now rolling out a, a directory of retreat centers, clinics, therapists, and coaches. And our intention with third wave, which is the platform that I built is, you know, as millions of people find out about psychedelics, how do we ensure that everyone has a safe and effective psychedelic experience that will be profoundly impactful for them? Thank you. That was probably the best summary I've ever heard of a journey. Um, I wanted, you said something very interesting. You said you built your business while you're in Thailand. Um, I read that you were into microdosing simply because, you know, Albert Hoffman was notorious for doing it long after. And he was the guy who created LSD, but he was notorious for doing it. And he lived to be what, 80, 90 something? 102. 102. Well, shit, I definitely under it. So obviously there's, you know, not really a safety concern there to some degree with microdosing. We just don't know a lot about it because of the uh, counterculture being shut down by Nixon. 
But you talked about being in Thailand, you start microdosing, you were doing that to access flow states to allow you to think outside how to build that business quicker. Do you want to like elaborate on that? Like, how did you set it up to go, okay, I'm going to microdose this LSD and I want to come out on the other side, these things. How did you do that to be able to build a business? Because that leads up to my next question I want to kind of get going on. Yeah. So what is beautiful about psychedelics, um, and this is microdoses, this is moderate doses, this is higher doses, is they help with uh, a process called divergent thinking. Um, so there's, there's two sort of main thought processes. It's convergent thinking when things converge and there's divergent thinking where things diverge. And so convergent thinking, that's what like caffeine and tobacco help with, right? Stimulants will help you to focus. And if you have a list of things to do, you need to get shit done, right? Convergent thinking helps with that. What psychedelics do is they help with the divergent thinking process. And the divergent thinking process is essentially how can I take two ideas that on the surface don't seem related and find some sort of interconnection between those two different ideas to create a new idea, right? This is sort of the core of innovation. So an example of this is even the, the third wave of psychedelics, right? So that, that sort of name and, and movement. I was um, living in Budapest in mid-2015, and we were dropping acid and going for walks around Budapest, as one does. And we had taken a, like a little bit more than a microdose, what we might call a mini dose. So, you know, things were, it was a nice sort of feeling. And we were going to third wave coffee spots. So third wave coffee is like those really uptight kind of bougie coffee spots that give you like a swan on your latte. You know, that's like a third wave <laughs> coffee spot, very artisanal. And we were going to third wave coffee spots and we were taking acid, doing psychedelics. And we were like, what, what name exemplifies this, this sort of psychedelic renaissance? And it was like third wave of psychedelics. So there was that sort of, oh, putting these two pieces together that didn't seem connected. And then a new thing comes out of it. And I think for any sort of CEO, any sort of entrepreneur, anyone who's starting a new project, uh, the way that we create value for people is to come up with new ideas, to convince people and help people understand why this this new thing, this new product, this new service will help them, will help them solve a problem. And then to be able to, you know, sell that in, in such a way or market it in such a way that helps to actually solve that problem. So, you know, the idea with microdosing LSC to help with the divergent thinking process was most of my mornings, and I still do this, most of my mornings, I just spent in a notebook, you know, like long handwriting. And I just sort of have these maybe strategic things or projects that I'm working on. And I just, if I microdose, I take a microdose and I just go into my notebook and things just start to come out, right? Because you're in that more open state, you're in that more elastic state. And so just sort of ideas about new product lines or new partnerships or new podcasts we want to do or blog content we want to write. Mm -hmm. And that just sort of like kind of continues to evolve and, and develop. And then, then the microdosing is just sort of a, it's an opening, a catalyst. It helps to lubricate the creative process uh, for, for the reasons I mentioned before. I want to ask one more, guys, and then I want you guys to chime in because it kind of falls along. In Stealing Fire by Stephen Kotler, he talks about Silicon Valley and the use of microdosing and entrepreneur circles. In his most recent Audible book, which I just finished today, called Mapping Cloud Nine, he says that companies are spending over $4 trillion already of gross domestic product. So that's like a 16th of the world's gross domestic product is being heavily invested into hacking and accessing flow states. Now, do you, what's, you obviously are a go-to guy. 
give us a little fill in on like what is going on in Silicon Valley. Like how are they using an entrepreneurs? Like you just gave like a great tip of wisdom. You like, I'm gonna have this book, a microdose, out comes these thoughts. But how long has it been going on in Silicon Valley? And is it really the game changer that some of the entrepreneurial people are discussing saying that, yeah, it really 10 times their income, et cetera. So the, the intersection between psychedelics and Silicon Valley is, is it's old, you know, it goes back to the second wave of psychedelics in the fifties and sixties, you know, a lot of the early uh, experimental subjects like Ken Kesey, who wrote one flew over a cuckoo's nest. He was at Stanford in the fifties taking LSD as an experimental subject. So you had all these people at Stanford in the fifties who were taking legal LSD as part of research projects. And essentially it caught on in such a way in Stanford, Silicon Valley, Palo Alto, San Francisco, where a lot of those people who were taking legal LSD at Stanford went on to invent the computer or went on to work in the tech, basically develop the computer and tech scene. So a lot of the computer and tech scene actually comes out of um, all the LSD use. And it wasn't necessarily microdosing. Right? We're talking about higher doses of LSD, right? Everyone sort of knows by this point, I think Steve Jobs said LSD was one of the you know, top three things that he ever did, that it was incredibly impactful in terms of what he did with Apple. Uh, this guy named Douglas Engelbert, who invented the, com like the computer screen, how to navigate the computer screen. He says he, he credited LSD for helping him with that. So there's this amazing sort of intertwining of LSD and the computer revolution in the 60s and 70s for creativity and everything. And that's because I think sort of metaphorically or whatever, it's because when we take these psychedelics, we realize how interconnected we are to everything, how we can commute, like, again, how we're, we are energy, we move. And so coming out of those experiences, people wanted to invent technology like the internet that would essentially replicate those feelings that were felt in a psychedelic experience. So now we can just hop on a phone and we can send a message to someone across the world and boom, they get it, they receive it. And it's a way that we stay interconnected with everything around us. And then it wasn't until the, um, you know, 2010 when Jim Fadiman wrote the Psychedelic Explorers Guide that microdosing became more of a thing. And now, it, I, I, you know, it's with software engineers and developers. And I think, you know, the, the thing that we hear about in the media, so to say, is, oh, people are doing this for productivity or people are doing this for creativity. And yes, that is true. But I think a lot of people are also microdosing because they're depressed or because they're stressed out or because, you know, modafinil or, or Adderall or Ritalin just is highly addictive and doesn't feel so good anymore. So they want to take something that essentially enhances their mood. And LSD, microdosing LSD is the perfect thing because when you enhance your mood, you're more creative. And so if you can consistently enhance your mood through, you know, the substance, then you're more creative, you're more open, you're more likely to access flow. And I think the kicker with all of this, and I'm sure you, 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 you three know this as bodybuilders as well, is rest is so key in that process as well. So although you might be microdosing two or three times a week to help with that process, it's just as important to say, hey, I'm going to take a week or two or three weeks off. I'm going to give this a break. I'm going to let my sort of system reset. And then, you know, I'll go in for a microdosing experience because I experienced this myself when I was just guinea pigging myself early on in the microdosing movement where I burned myself out to some degree where I was microdosing too often, you know, acid three times a week. And I just, it just got to a point where I created more anxiety and that was actually less helpful than, than, um, than, than, than intended. So the key with this, like everything else is moderation balance and, um, having that really specific intention of, okay, if I want to have this sort of day with my microdose, you know, here's what I'm going to do. Thank you. Sue or Jason, you guys got some yeah. questions for Mr. Paul. Yeah, I have a question. So, 
So who should who should use these substances and and who shouldn't? Because yeah. you know you mentioned a couple of things where you know there are people with um, you know anxiety or depression. Um, is there any sort of risk in terms of uh, maybe you know interacting you know with the wrong mix of substances and you know the wrong you know mix of brain chemistry and potentially you know pushing someone over the edge in a negative way? Yeah, that's a great question. So the the people who should definitely avoid psychedelics are those who have uh, schizophrenia or a predisposition to schizophrenia, those who have borderline personality disorder, potentially those who have bipolar, although there are some people who under medical guidance, it, it can significantly help with bipolar. And anyone who has, let's say, alcoholism or PTSD or, or you know chronic depression or really bad anxiety, if they're looking to work with psychedelics, whether microdosing or high doses, they should always do that under the guidance of a psychiatrist or a medical professional. And that's easier now than it ever has been before because more and more psychiatrists are now sort of becoming aware of psychedelics. So I would say that's sort of the the distinction and, and psychedelics aren't necessarily for, for everyone. You know, these are very, very powerful substances and very powerful tools. And, um, you know, it's like, a lot of like, you'll, you'll hear people who will like go and do ayahuasca in Costa Rica or go do ayahuasca in the Amazon and they'll come back and they'll try to convince like their mom, their brother, their cousin, their uncle, their, their best friend from high school, you know, they're like, what, like, you got to do this. You got to do this. So it has, it can have sort of that feeling. So I think that's the key thing to remember for anyone who's had a profound experience in psychedelics is just allow the transformation to speak for itself. You don't need to sort of convince people to do it and people will come to it if they want and, and how they want. And I think as more and more research comes out, people will feel safe in pursuing that. Um, you know, up until this point in time, the last few years, there hasn't been a lot of research. There's been, it's been sort of shrouded in the sense of mystery and unknown. And now that more medical professionals are talking about it and coming behind, uh, getting behind it, it's becoming easier and easier for those who really you know, have deeply struggled with depression or PTSD addiction to access these medicines and, and get help with them. All right, cool. Go on in, Jason. Um, so I had a question about, it's my understanding that like, if someone is on like an SSRI, maybe they won't feel it as intensely. Is that true, false? And do you know any of the science in there? Or is it just kind of like, that's just the way it is. And we're not really sure. So that's true, right? And so what, what's interesting is depending on the type of pharmaceutical, right? So if it's, huh. if it's an SSRI, from what I understand, it will blunt the response. Mm-hmm. You'll need more of the substance in order to feel it. But if it's an SNRI, you might need less of the substance in order to feel it. So sensitivity can vary depending on the type of pharmaceutical or psychiatric medication that you're taking. So anyone who's on any sort of pharmaceutical or psychiatric medication, you always want to work with a a psychiatrist or a medical professional. If you're looking to microdose or work with psychedelics to wean off or get off psychiatric medications, always work with a medical professional to help that. You know, there was a research paper that was published about a month ago, um, which basically proved that and they, they, this was with MDMA that were, they were looking at, that, that people who were on a psychiatric medication, I think it was an SSRI, and went in to have MDMA therapy, that the clinical research showed that the MDMA, um, they needed, the MDMA therapy just wasn't as effective for people who were on SSRIs because they were blunted to the experience. And that makes sense because that's sort of the, 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 that's the mechanism of the SSRIs to blunt 
it's too numb. And the reason that is, is because it activates. So there's 12 serotonin receptors in the brain and um, the SSRI will work with a 5-HT1A receptor, which tends to numb and blunt. And psychedelics work with the 5-HT2A receptor, which essentially um, forces you to, it's like, it's cathartic. It forces you to go into the experience, to, to deal with the trauma, to deal with the pain, and then to come out the other side of it. Uh, and so that's just a little bit about the sort of neurobiological uh, mechanisms that are going on with it. Okay. Do you guys have anyone else or you want me to ask my next question? Uh, I have one other. Yeah, um, go for it. I don't have nearly as much experience as Jeff Black, but I have done this. But I also am on the times that I've done it. I was on about 10 megs of Lexapro. And it does seem usually I do two doses um, and I get benefit. You know, I can find flow. I can really zero in with people. I, you know, it almost feels maybe sometimes like I'm a little bit more able to crank out work, do things of that nature. Um, why does someone feel way more relaxed? I almost feel sometimes a little more revved up, but then the next day it's like one of the best relaxing feelings I feel. Is that normal? Is that due to the SSRI? Uh, I just want to give some of our listeners who may try this, who are on them some feedback in that realm as well. Or is that something everyone experiences that just calm the next day? It's it's really it, it depends, right? Like we've done research on this with those who are going through our microdosing programs, and there will be some people who the day they microdose is good, the day after they microdose is even better, yeah. uh, and 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 there will be other people who the day they microdose is great, and the day after they microdose, their mood actually dips. Okay. I think one thing that helps significantly with just because a lot with a lot of the whether it's microdosing or even pharma, you know, psychiatric medications or high dosing or meditation or float tanks or weightlifting or whatever things we're doing, it's a lot about homeostasis. You know, we want to find that balance. We want to find that middle way. So I think a lot of this is sort of, you know, it's initially trial and error, which is why we've developed like the content that we have and the microdosing course that we have. It's like, we want to help people find their own way because a lot of times with psychiatric medications, it's very prescriptive. Oh, you have depression. We'll take like, like take 10 megs of Lexapro or take, you know, Prozac or take this or take that. And the doctor says for you to do it. Whereas what we're learning with psychedelics is psychedelics sort of open an inner process of healing where we start to go, Oh no, like actually I can decide what's best for me. And so I think that's a huge part of this process with microdosing and higher doses of psychedelics is how can I work with these substances in such a way where I can sort of uncover and realize, oh, maybe 20 minutes of meditation with a microdose is ideal, or maybe, you know, microdosing and then, you know, starting a creative project is really going to help me get into a flow state or, you know, microdosing three times a week on an LSD is best or microdosing one time a week on mushrooms is best. You know, there's all these sort of different variations that we can integrate and it all just comes back to how do we stay centered? How do we stay balanced? How do we find that sort of middle way um, with, with our various practices that we use to feel good and, you know, bring joy to the world and, you know, lift heavy shit and all that, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I actually presented uh, last, well, back two months ago now in October on HRV and I've been watching my HRV through whoop and aura. And every time I microdose, it is pretty much 9.9 .9 times guaranteed. I will have an awesome recovery the next day. So there's truth. To really? Jesus. Yeah, dude, I've been watching it like a hawk. I have all this data points, how growth hormone affects uh, your HRV and I can tell you, if I do microdosing, once I go past 12.5 micrograms of LSD, 
I could be taking a heavier cycle of steroids and GH and my HRV will still be up. Um, I do um, notice distorted sleep that night. Deep and REM is harder to achieve, obviously, because LSD, what it does. But my nervous system, my ANS, is like shutting to more parasympathetic. Um, so I actually have an HRV higher than my age. Um, and that's steadily been climbing. And I've been watching it climb as I started microdosing again. Very cool. Yeah, no, some cool stuff when you really start getting in on it. Um, I actually wanted to. So earlier we just talked about, Sue brought up about depression, people who shouldn't use and all that. Let's say someone wants to do it. And I'm going to give you the example here. The housewife article that was released in 2017, where a housewife basically came out and said, my marriage would have been destroyed had I not found LSD. Like she was talking about her bipolar, all these things, how she was just her, her husband was an enemy. You know, it was just this, this bucket that had a giant hole and LSD like plugged the hole and is not leaking as bad. So say someone's listening to this and they want to give it a try. She had a lot of kickback from some of her friends who basically looked at her, judged her, looked at her as different. How does one kind of uh, work through that to be able to understand, you know, that maybe this is something for them outside of, you know, typical pharmaceuticals they might have tried in the past? You know, there's always shame and guilt in our society. And that's a powerful thing. How does one kind of work through that from what you have experience with with your coaching business in it? I think part of it is just like opening up in, in concentric circles. So in other words, if someone, let's say they read, Isla Waldman was, is the woman that you're talking about. They read her book, you know, microdosing a really good day. Uh, and they go, you know, I struggle with these same things. I really think microdosing LSD would help. They go onto Google, they type, you know, microdosing LSD for anxiety and they land on third wave and they go and they start reading about microdosing LSD and they purchase our microdosing course and they go into our microdosing course and they figure out, oh, I can source LSD this way and do it this way. And I think a lot of it is just like start on that personal journey first and be mindful of who you talk to about it. So a lot of people probably even who are listening to this, who might be in this situation, they probably know like, oh, if I talk to this person about it, they'd be pretty cool with it. But if I talk with this person about it, they might not react so good. So I think acting with some sort of mindful awareness about who you speak to these experiences about is really, really helpful. I think one thing within that is, especially for anyone who's a partner or a spouse or is married, a huge part of that support network is your partner or spouse. And so if they're opposed to it, I think that's a challenge and an issue. And that's where a website like ours is so helpful to point them, oh, go check out Third Wave because they have like, this is actually what's going on with all the research and this is why it's scientifically validated and this is how legit it is. And, and oftentimes, right, like if you have a, a, a husband or wife who's skeptical, the, the research that's coming out is, I mean, you can't argue against it. You know, there was just a publish, a paper published out of Johns Hopkins that showed that psilocybin is four times as effective as antidepressants, you know, and that's clinical research out of one of the world's most prestigious institutions. So I think that that is, you know, research is, is useful, being mindful about who you speak to about. And then the other key thing with that is I think any process of healing is just being like, fuck guilt, fuck shame, fuck judgment, my healing and my, my energy and my ability to be alive is way more free than those sort of fear-based constrictive narratives. So it's almost just having the courage yourself to go, I recognize that this person might say that and that person might say that, but what matters most is my own personal well-being and making the decisions that are right for me. And regardless of how 
you know, whoever else feels. And even in just saying that and taking that step and, and, and deciding, deciding to choose to heal, uh, deciding to choose to create a new way of being through these medicines, I think that is incredibly powerful and often leads to a ripple effect where then you have friends who maybe were initially skeptical. Like I dealt with this with my parents, you know, my parents are Midwest, you know, go to church every Sunday. You never do illegal drugs. You know, my dad hardly drinks even like drugs are, are bad. And when I first told them about psychedelics, they were like, oh no. And then as I started to do them more and then built businesses around them, they now, my mom will now like send me new stuff that she sees in like 60 minutes or whatever. And, uh, you know, uh, people come around. And so I think it comes back to like, be the change that, that sort of Gandhi cliche phrase, be the change you want to see in the world. And oftentimes microdosing is a good first step for that. Thank you. Sue, you got a question? Or you no, want I was going to say that's kind of like my parents in coaching. They thought bodybuilding was an absolute waste of time. Then once I started <laughs> making money and, and making <laughs> a living off of it, they were, they were all about bodybuilding. And they always had <laughs> yeah. like, about my parents. I quit law school to do this. Full really? Time. Well, I mean, I was a lawyer. I didn't even quit law school. I was a lawyer for 15 years in-house corporate no counsel. Shit. Yeah. yeah. And Sue yeah. had a financial background and so did Jason a little bit. And then, yeah. I've always kind of done this former federal agent back in the day, but now I do this. Oh, you were a former federal agent. Yeah. So I do. I worked with Department of Homeland Security right after 2000, uh, terrorist tax 2001 and spent from 2002, 2007, doing a lot of congressional deadlines um, and stuff like that. It was a cool job, man. I was 22 and got to see parts of the country I would never have for two years. Yeah. You know? So I, I was on their dime. So I loved it. Um, yeah. Sadly, I love your microdosing. And yeah. Now, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I left the flight attendant <laughs> life behind and, and found yeah. enlightenment. Um, I wanted to bring up something that was very interesting in your book. It was actually like more towards the end of the book. I want to say I've actually been right before the last chapter. Your development as a leader, you were pretty adamant that microdosing helped shift that for you. And, you know, I can look at my leadership trajectory after my business partner was diagnosed terminally ill in 2017. I'd already started microdosing before then. And he was very much like, dude, don't post that shit on social media. It's just because down here in Nashville, Tennessee, Bible belt, it is what it is. I don't care. Yeah. But um, I remember after that, I was like, no, I got to do this because I need to be able to think X, Y, Z. And I have to say that once you said that it clicked for me, I do agree that there is some leadership development that happens. And I think it's because you can sit there and like, I can feel people's feelings when I'm with them. And I can start, it's almost not like you're psychic, but there's this like over sense of, oh, I know it's, yeah, okay, I'm going to go this way. And you like bang it like pretty much 10 out of 10. Let's talk a little bit about that. Give your angle on that because I've already talked about that before on here and I wanted to kind of have you elaborate. <laughs> well, it's like intuition, right? The, the greatest gift that a leader can give is his intuition or her intuition and presence with the people that he or, he or she is with. You know, that's that like presence, kindness, love, openness, empathy, listening, connection, receptivity, right? Like leadership is about sort of holding that space and then being able to move within it from a really intuitive perspective. And so when we microdose, right, intuition is always about embodiment. It's not like I have a tendency just as bad as anyone to get stuck up here in the head and, and to get overly analytical. And oftentimes that can just block off what is obvious. And when we kind of get out of that and drop into the body, we can be in tune with things. We can intuit like, What's the feeling behind that? Why is why is someone having this issue? You know, what needs to be communicated? What needs to be delegated? Uh, how, how do I inspire? How do I motivate? Uh, how do I take responsibility for things that need to be taken responsibility for? I think a huge part of uh, uh, leadership more and more and more 
in tech companies and um, you know other companies like that is also like not being the boss necessarily, not being the guy who has the answers, not being the person who everyone needs to run things through. It's saying, hey, I want to create this space. I want to create a container for us to be able to talk about this new project and figure out what's best. But it's largely about sort of keeping that space and keeping it healthy and, and, and morphing together and not so things have to be this way and this way and this way and this way. So it just gets back to what psychedelics seem to help to do is they help to drop the ego. They help to, to, to dissolve the ego. They help you to be less egocentric. And in being less egocentric, you're more willing to listen. You're more willing to be receptive and sort of hear other people's thoughts and ideas and then act as sort of the, um, the, the, the connector. Uh, through the organization, if you will, to to bring all the best ideas and to bring you know what what people think are, is best to the table, and then and then you know be like, oh, let's tweak this, or let's tweak this, or let's tweak this. So, uh, and and it's not just microdosing. I think you know higher doses also really really help with that. Um, and and it's yeah, it's been instrumental in 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 so many ways. And 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 that's the other thing. Like my my path as a, a leader for Third Wave. I can't separate it out from uh, like my own personal growth, my own, you know, personal reflection, you know, my, my own inner transformation or whatever you want to call it is then it's directly related to how well third wave does uh, because I'm so, because I'm interconnected, you know, I'm integrated into it as an org. And that's, I think the thing that leaders don't recognize is if they're sick, they're depressed, if they're anxious, if they're burnt out, if they're not in a good headspace, if they're, you know, coming from a place of egocentrism or greedy or whatever, that energy poisons the entire sort of uh, vehicle of the organization. So the way to make, from a leadership perspective, the way to make the org as clean and pure and, and working as possible is just to be as clean and pure and sort of honest and integrity uh, in, in integrity as you can as, as an individual. Do you have a lot of CEOs who hit you up for um, doing microdosing journeys with them? Maybe like that you coach them through. So we have, you know, we, we just did, we do like a six week microdosing coaching where we do two weeks prep breath work and four weeks of integration coaching. Um, uh, we have CEOs enrolling in our online microdosing course pretty regularly. I would say uh, we were going to host a retreat in March, but, uh, yeah, COVID hit. yeah, we know <laughs> that got canceled. Yeah. Um, and then even like with synthesis, the psilocybin retreat center, which is high doses that I started in the Netherlands, we would get a lot of, you know, executives, VP creatives, you know, people in leadership positions who are really interested in how do psychedelics and microdosing help with this, with this process. And, and, all, and, and sometimes they would come at it from, I want to be a better leader or I want to be more effective in my organization or whatever else. And then they, they, they take five grams of mushrooms and they go, Oh shit. It's actually not, that's superficial. It's not about that. It's more about feeling connected to myself or feeling connected to my loved ones. Or it, you know, most of the healing from psychedelics comes down to just fundamentally like feeling more connected to the things around us. And then all the other stuff sort of flows out from that. Uh, you guys have anything or I want to get into kind of like how to start a journey on microdosing. Uh, like, I have others, but why don't you start that? I mean, I, I think any of my questions can kind of fill in in that area as well, too. 
Sweet. Well, I wanted to make sure people have practical things to take home. Obviously, you know, I want to get into like later on when we wrap this up, what the third way mission is and all your services as a way to, you know, let people know a trusted person to be able to go seek. But if someone's sitting there and they're listening, um, how would they start a micro uh, microdosing journey? And like, where would you advise them to be physically, emotionally, maybe even spiritually before they do decide to take this on? Because, you know, they are powerful drugs. I always tell everybody that there's powerful steroids we take in bodybuilding. It's just a different way of using uh, a different form of drugs for a different purpose. Right. 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 So, you know, in microdosing, we always say start low and go slow. So like if you're looking to microdose with LSD, they might be start at five micrograms of LSD, then try 10, then try 15. And you essentially want to sort of do a little bit of initial trial and error to see um, what amount feels right for your experience. Because uh, sometimes when people just sort of jump in the, the deep end, maybe they microdose 20 micrograms of LSD right away, it's too much for them. And it's a little overwhelming and they just can't like, um, they can't function as well as they thought. So then they have this first bad experience with microdose and they're like, oh, I don't want to do that again. So it's really, really important to start low and go slow. Uh, I think the other thing then within that is your first few times microdosing, you know, do it on a day off where you don't have any sort of work commitments. There's too many people that I've talked to who on their first microdosing day decide that they're also going to try to do a bunch of work thinking that that'll be a good idea. That's not a good idea. You know, you first want to learn the skill of microdosing is how we talk about it. So learn the skill of microdosing, become acquainted with the substance itself before you start trying to do anything too complex and complicated uh, with the, the, the substance. So start low, go slow. First few times you do it, don't have any work, don't have any responsibilities, you know, be in a park or be in the woods or, you know, just like have a space that you can be and you can feel you know, how it is. And then, you know, the third and last point is um, do some sort of mindfulness practice with it, you know, meditate with it or do some yoga or, you know, if, if you have, if you have weights and you feel comfortable with that, you know, maybe, maybe do a few deadlifts or, you know, whatever just helps you to ground and whatever helps you to feel like centered um, do that when microdosing uh, breath work is also a great, a, a great way to, to roll in the microdose because, what people often notice is if they don't have some sort of mindfulness practice when they're microdosing, then there, there's too much entropy. There's too much chaos that's happening and things become what we call decompartmentalized. And essentially what that means is when you decompartmentalize things, normally your brain has a way of staying organized. And when you start to microdose, that gets a little chaotic, which is where the healing comes from and the energy comes from. But if it's not like centered through a mindfulness practice, then some people will start to microdose and it makes their depression worse or it makes their anxiety worse uh, because it's making them more sensitive, hypersensitive. And so if you're making yourself hypersensitive, you want to ensure that your set and setting is as optimal as possible. So start low, go slow, do it on um, a day where you don't have any sort of major commitments and do it with some sort of meditation or breath work or, or mindfulness practice. Jason, go ahead. Um, well, I was kind of wanting to talk a little bit about like, just like maybe, maybe everyone has different experiences. Um, but I know when I've done it, um, I seem to be a little revved up and sweat a little more, but I also connect with people that I enjoy way more and I disconnect the people that I don't enjoy way more. 
are those things that you hear uh, regularly? Um, and I know, you know, with anything like this, things are going to be different, but is that kind of a normal um, thing or is that abnormal? I would say that's, you know, like, like the energy is definitely normal um, in terms of more stimulation. And that's especially true with LSD. We call, I call microdosing LSD like a psychedelic coffee. Okay. Um, because right. you do have that, that yeah. extra energy that comes from it. And if you don't have an outlet for that extra energy, like usually when I microdose LSD, I go for a hike or I, I'm, I'm, I'm at a park or I'm on my bike or I go to the gym. You know, I have some doing yoga, whatever. I have some sort of outlet for that additional energy. Um, and that can also be the case with, with microdosing psilocybin. It's also more stimulating. I think the other part that you said is, is really interesting and also something that we commonly find, like you want to be the people that you like, you want to be around them more and people that you don't like so much, you kind of want more distance from them. I think that just speaks to the the sensitivity. You know, when you're microdosing, you're more sensitive mm -hmm. and a huge part of uh, microdosing and psychedelics is, is feeling more connected. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you're, if you're opening things, if you're, if you're more sensitive and you have a desire to connect, well, chances are that energy is going to be towards someone who you have a good relationship with because it's going to make you feel good. And the whole reason we're microdosing is to feel better. Okay. The whole reason we're microdosing yeah. is to, to have more sort of joy and happiness and, and energy and all that. And, and then, and then in terms of, you know, not wanting to be around people who like you just, yeah. it, it, it just helps you be honest. I think, I yeah. think, you know, there's like an honesty that comes with that where you're like, maybe for whatever reason you've told yourself, you have an obligation to be close to this person. When you start to microdose, you're just like, actually, no, I don't really want to talk with them. I don't really want to be in their energy. You know, I want to like create some sort of space so that we don't have to be involved. And that's totally good and normal. And I think that in itself is also a huge part of the healing process for so many people, because we often feel this sort of people pleasing obligation need to like spend time with people we don't really like necessarily for whatever reasons we tell ourselves. And a huge part of, I think, any, any, any journey of, of transformation is, being more mindful about who we choose to be around because you know the, the classic line you become you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with so when you microdose you may as well spend that time with people who inspire you who motivate you who lift you up who you have great conversations with you know et cetera, et cetera. yeah no that's interesting i just i just wanted our listeners to kind of get an idea you know deeper of what types of things they can um kind of expect if they ever want to try this um, I know for myself, I've done 10 micrograms, but I didn't really feel a ton, but that's because of the SSRI. When I went up to 20, as Jeff knows, you know, I'm normally a double dose guy when, when him and I do it. And, uh, that usually works really well for me. Um, and I assume that like, that's why, what my first question was about, but thanks. That was a good answer. You know, Paul, I got a funny story about Jason. I gave him a microdose yeah. when he was down here one time and took him to the gay bar where they do uh, <laughs> drag and all this shit. It was like, you're going to have the best experience of your fucking life. He was like, sit there, just thumping along. He's like, yeah, you're right. I was like, yeah, man, I told you it'd be a good time. Um, Where are you all from? I didn't, I didn't get that. In the, I know Jeff, you're in Nashville. Yeah, Jason's I'm right outside person. Cincinnati. Um, and okay. then Jeff's Boston, Mass. Oh, Boston. Yeah. That's why you got all that snow. Yeah. Um, Jeff, do you have a question um, or do you want me to kind of move into the next one I had? No, I have a, I have a question. So, so out of um, the people that you coach or who come to you or, or the users, I guess, of psychedelics, are they mostly men or women, would you say? 
It, I mean, it's, it's a really balanced sort of um, it's, yeah. it's everyone, which is, which is sort of the crazy thing. I would say the majority are in their forties and forties, fifties, and sixties mm-hmm. have been struggling with anxiety and depression or PTSD or other thing, other trauma, so to say. And they're really looking to microdosing and high doses of psychedelics to help them with that journey and that process. Like I just opened up, for example, um, uh, a couple one-on-one coaching slots and I got like 65 applications and I would say 50 of them were like that exactly. People in their forties, fifties, and sixties were struggling with anxiety, depression, these sorts of things. And we're looking to microdose or do high doses of psychedelics to help with that process. I would say you also have people in their seventies and eighties who are just looking for a little bit more of a lift. You have college kids in their twenties and their early teens and twenties who are, who want to use microdosing LSD instead of something like Ritalin or Adderall. You have, you know, the, as we already talked about the CEOs and executives and, you know, folks like that, the creatives who want to use it for peak performance. Um, uh, you have uh, pro athletes. I have a, an IG live interview later today with Daniel Garcia, uh, who was a former NHL player for the Chicago Blackhawks, who was just on HBO. Uh, HBO did a documentary real sports with Brian Gumble about four former professional athletes using psychedelics. And so you, you, you're having former athletes and even current athletes, although they're not really talking about it much, who are microdosing. So it's, it's really anyone and everyone. Uh, and I think that's the beautiful part about microdosing is it's not discriminatory in terms of who's using it. it, it there's, there's so many use cases for it. And uh, it, we're really just the beginning of like this. This is the next 30, 40 years. As we learn more, we do more research. I think another interesting thing about microdosing that we haven't talked about yet, but um, Jeff, I get the sense that we might get into this a little bit is, is stacking microdoses with different supplements and sort of how, how we can do that and what that might look like. And so it's just, it's a, it's Pandora's box, man. Yeah. I've done some stacking. Um, I actually wanted to talk about protocols and then we could get into stacking. So there's the usual two, you know, twice a Mm -hmm. week, usually like a Monday, Thursday, Tuesday, Friday kind of thing. Most recently I've seen a lot of talk on the Reddit forums and other places, five days on two days Mm -hmm. off. Mm -hmm. What do you kind of say people should be looking at? Is it matter about the substances they're using? Does it matter about what they're hoping to accomplish? Because I know like for me, shrooms is very inward realizations. And I, I usually have profound moments of, 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 I guess, crying to myself or happy with myself where the LSD is like, man, I'll just bang out some great articles and go down some awesome educational dives. Um, but I've never done the five in a row. I've always done what you've done too, but I wanted to kind of get your take from that. Is there situations where maybe one's better than the other? Where do people start? Where do people go? Yeah. Protocols are interesting because there's, like you said, there's two main protocols that have been talked about a lot. The first one is the Dr. Jim Fadiman protocol. He's sort of the godfather of microdosing, wrote the psychedelic explorers guide, uh, talked about microdosing in 2010. And that's twice a week, day one on day two off day three off, day four on, day five off, day six off. And he introduced that more as like a clinical approach, I would say, where people who were microdosing with that were doing it to help with depression or addiction or anxiety by and large. Uh, and that helped them to wean off pharmaceuticals and help them to, to get on a on sort of a, a medicinal plan that wasn't as everyday, so to say. Um, and Jim initially talked about that with LSD, but also there are a few people who did it with psilocybin. So I think that twice a week protocol is ideal for LSD. I would not microdose with LSD more than twice a week. 
would be my, my very strong sort of recommendation because it can be quite stimulating. Um, so that's one thing to be mindful of. When it comes to the five times a week protocol, this is what Paul Stamets developed. And Paul Stamets is a world famous mycologist, probably the world's most famous mycologist has been on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple of times. Um, and he, when he first talked about microdosing publicly, he said five days on two days off. He's now adjusted that to be four days on and three days off. Uh, I haven't tried that myself. Uh, he talks about that using psilocybin mushrooms, where it's essentially four straight days and then three days off. And the reason he says that is because there is tolerance buildup with uh, any psychedelic, right? So if you take it day one and then you take it on day two again, you're not going to feel anything on day two. Now, whether or not that matters for microdosing is, is something that Paul Stamets talks about, where because you're not supposed to, microdosing is supposed to be sub-perceptual anyway, does that really matter? Um, I don't know, because I haven't tried that four days on, three days off uh, protocol myself. So the way that I, like the protocol that we've developed for third wave is sort of a combination between those two. And it's microdose two or three times a week. Find your ideal dose level, whether it's five micrograms or 10 micrograms or 15 micrograms of LSD, find that sweet spot that works for you to consistently microdose with it. And then once you find that sweet spot, um, continue to sort of gauge what practices you're using in combination with the protocol. So I think, you know, the way that Fadiman and Stamets have talked about protocols has been take the substance and do it two, three, four times a week. It's very simple. And to be honest, any microdosing protocol needs to have another layer of complexity because what we're noticing in the research that we're doing is that microdosing must be combined with some sort of mindfulness practice if people want to get the tangible benefits out of it in the long term. So the protocol that we've rolled out in our course on microdosing has been, okay, do 10 microdoses two or three times a week. On day one, do this. You know, meditation. On day two, go for a hike. On day three, see a therapist. On day four, do some breath work. On day five, do some yoga. On day six, et cetera, et cetera. And so that way, less of the emphasis is on the microdosing, the, the substance itself, and more of the emphasis is what new behaviors and habits are you integrating as a result of microdosing? Uh, because that's the opening with microdosing is that it's a catalyst. It can help you shift neural, neural patterns and behaviors. And so with that opening, how do you want to integrate new ways of being, a new meditation practice, a new diet, a new way to connect with a spouse or a loved one? That I think is the really important part that most people just don't give consideration to because we, we're so used to just take a pill and it'll fix your issues. And, what, and something that we always say at third wave is like, microdosing is not a magic pill. This will not fix your shit. All it will do is make you more aware of your shit, but you actually have to, to quote unquote, do the work, integrate the new behaviors to heal and, and do whatever else you need to. It's uh, some eerie parallels between what I do and a lot of the guys do here too, is we get a lot of people who have over dieted. They've pretty much put themselves into sympathetic overdrive and we have a lot of the same discussions. You know, I, I teach people how to do deep breathing at night, just 20 minutes to themselves in a dark room, four seconds in, hold it for a second, four seconds out, focus on your breath, relax your body, yoga. I put it in my programs for, you know, less, less body, less bodybuilding and more yoga. 
And so you're right. Like even, you know, the healing that we're doing, we're, we're doing a lot of those things. We're putting supplements in, but that's not the bulk of the work. And so it's very, there's a lot of parallels there actually for mental health and for the anxiety and different things we see from people that are just over trainers, over dieters and, and a lot of things that we do. That's kind of, kind of mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. Love that. Sue, you got anything before I get into supplement stacking that maybe is along uh, all these lines? I don't have anything right now, no. All right, Paul, let's go down to supplement stacking one. So mm -hmm. here's what I've done before. 15 mm -hmm. micrograms of LSD with lion's mane, ginkgo, alpha GPC, and fossil serine. And I can tell you I am locked in, ready to go for hours, and I almost dance and flow. Time is very, very, very slow to me. Uh, I know that that's how um, I wrote my book that ended up being like over 100,000 words about my story with my brittle bone disease and all I had to overcome. It's because I was microdosing, but also led me going back to counseling. I did notice, though, that when I would stack with supplements, and I did do uh, 10 micrograms with LSD once with phenylparacetram. Um, so I was like, like, it was like being on Adderall and cocaine together. It was kind of a little bit miserable as I took off. But once I kind of figured out how to level the plane, it wasn't bad. Um, is there anything one can do with supplements? I mean, you brought that up. I assume you have a lot of knowledge on that. Um, I've only known what I know from just dabbling with myself. Um, so anything you got to share, anything at all, I'd love to hear. And I know our audience would too. We would. So when looking at supplement stacks, we want to think about the outcome that we're interested in, right? The result that we want to uh, generate. So, you know, when writing the book, it was probably flow for you. Correct. Some, some like flow, which is a good integration of creativity and focus. Um, and I, and the, the sense that we get is there are three main, let's see, th three core outcomes, so to say, that people are looking for when microdosing. One is mood enhancement or mood stabilizing to help them have a more balanced mood. Those are people who are typically on pharmaceuticals and are looking to microdose to help with that mood balancing. There's the flow creativity focus, you know, those who are working on a creative project and want to sort of put gasoline in the, in the, in the engine. And then there's also like sensuality and just something that's, that's, you know, for a partner or for sex or whatever, a lot of people are interested in microdosing for, for that purpose as well. So I think depending on the outcome that you want, that will then change the stacks that you integrate as a result of that. So if you're looking for something that's more like mood enhancement, you're probably going to look at adaptogens like reishi, chaga, uh, rhodiola, ashwagandha. Um, Jason, that's up your alley. He's got yeah. a product made out that's pretty yeah, much really. all that. Yeah, yeah, it's called Cordy's, uh, phosphatidylserine, ashwagandha, rhodiola. It's meant to help cortisol metabolism so you can kind of get mm -hmm. out of that stuck sympathetic dominance. Yep. So that that's like a great one for for um, the, the the mood balancing for, for focus creativity, you know, lion's mane, Ginkgo, um, you know, a couple of the other ones that you mentioned, Jeff, are, are probably great for that. Um, and then for sensuality, I would, you know, LSD is probably best from a microdose perspective for that. And then there's there's some other, you know, things that you can throw in to help with that. To be honest, most of my approach with microdosing has been less about these specific stacks. I will say we're working on this as a project right now for third wave. So it's sort of like behind closed doors, if you will. I, I can't give away too many details, but we're going to no, roll out. We're going to roll out these stacks pretty soon for each one of these things. And that way, because we can't legally sell microdoses 
mm-hmm. uh, right now, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> at some yeah. point. Unfortunately, not, not, yeah. Not yet, yeah. but we can sell sort of the supporting stacks and supplements that people can take um, with the microdoses. Now, my own supplement stack is I take a prebiotic probiotic every morning, which is I take seed, which is a fantastic prebiotic probiotic. I take ashwagandha as an adaptogen. I take a reishi tincture. Um, I take fish oil. I usually take athletic greens. I take organ meats like desiccated organ meats from ancestral supplements and like maybe another mushroom supplement as well, one or two. So I just sort of have my foundational supplement base that I use. Uh, But I, I, I I have a little bit of experience stacking like the lion's mane niacin with psilocybin. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, now that we're even talking about this and based on some of the conversations that I've had with, with like, I talked with Ben Greenfield, uh, on, on Sunday, because he's exactly interested in this as well. What could I stack with San Pedro? What could I stack with psilocybin? What could I stack with LSA or LSD? Or LSD? And um, I still don't have a ton of coincidentally personal experience with that. So it's something that I'm interested in more and more and more. Um, but that that's the most that I can say about kind of the, the, the different supplements and stacking. And my emphasis, Jeff, has always been much more on sort of the mindfulness practices you know, like if I'm, if I'm microdosing LSD, I'm doing yoga or I'm going hiking. If I'm microdosing psilocybin, I'm seeing my coach or a therapist, or I'm, you know, doing a long meditation or doing some breath work or going to do an ice bath or whatever it is. Like I focus more on those higher level, um, uh, contemplative or, or mindfulness practices and have done less with the specific stacking. So well, I'll be interested to see what you come up with when it gets released because um, I can tell you that I've tried them individual, but usually when I stack the four with the LSD, it's a very synergy. It's like steroids. One testosterone is good, but throw a test trend and mast in there and you get, you know, the holy grail of bodybuilding uh, transformation stack. So there really is a one plus one plus one equals ten. Uh, to some degree on this. Um, do you have any like safety concerns or anything like the people when people are doing this or sub from what I read in your book, it seems like pharmaceutical interactions and supplement interactions with these uh, with psychedelics is very, very low, if not even uh, quite minimal. Existent. Yeah. There's, there's a website, which you can link to in the show notes called microdosing mm-hmm. that has a full list of all the supplements and pharmaceutical medications that are safe to take while microdosing. I think the only one, that's, that's more commonly used is lithium. Mm-hmm. You do not want to yeah. uh, take microdosing while you're doing lithium. Um, but mo- by and large, like almost all of these are, are safe to take um, while microdosing. I think the main safety concern, as I mentioned before, is to start low and go slow. I think another thing just worth mentioning is always test your drugs. So if you're getting LSD from a source that you're not totally sure about, make sure that you test it so that you know it's real LSD. Mushrooms are usually mushrooms. You can't really yeah, fuck you, those up. Yeah. Um, too much. How do you test and, your LSD real quick? Is there a you can get a drug test. You can get a drug testing kit. Yeah. From we, we have a partnership with bunk police. I think it's bunkpolice.com, and you can buy like a reagent testing kit for like 10, 20 bucks. And, and that makes it super easy to test whether you have real LSD or not. Sweet. Thank you. Um, go for yeah, it. Yeah, go for it. All right. So all this talk about performance enhancements for the mind, so to speak, reminds me of, uh, you know, that movie Limitless with Bradley yeah. Cooper mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, most recently Queen's Gambit on Netflix, where mm-hmm. that girl can like envision her chess moves on the mm-hmm. ceiling. 
And it's all really cool, right? However, you know, I also think about bodybuilding and the drugs that we take for bodybuilding and, you know, the, the subjects of like withdrawal, addiction and dependency kind of come to mind because, you know, in bodybuilding, steroids aren't addicting. It's really how you feel while you're on them that is addicting for many bodybuilders. You feel that confidence, that sense of arrogance even, and uh, you just feel like Superman, right? And we don't, you know, when you come off, you don't feel that way anymore. You just feel like a normal dude. And so I'm wondering, you know, do you see this, you know, as well with, you know, these psychedelics, because they enhance mental performance to such a degree that being a normal man or woman after that just doesn't seem too palatable. So, so what do you think about all that? It's a great, it's a really good question. So I can talk, talk about my own personal experience. And then from that, there'll be a few more insights that, that come out. So when I first started microdosing in 2015, I did LSD twice a week for seven months. It was incredibly helpful. Help, you know, I was pretty depressed at the time. Really helped to elevate my mood, maybe more pro-social, uh, helped me to do get more flow and creative work done. And then on and off over the next year, I would microdose here and there. And I there was definitely like in those seven months when I was microdosing twice a week, it was fucking awesome. My mood was always great. I always had a ton of energy. But I noticed about two years down the line when I moved to New York that I kept trying to microdose, but it's just like the benefits got less and less and less and less. And in fact, I started to get more and more and more anxious. And part of that was living in New York. But also part of that was because I was microdosing LSD a little too much too often, so to say. And so I think the, the key thing to remember with all of this is that um, whether it's bodybuilding or whether it's psychedelics or whether it's uh, meditation or whether it's a guru or whatever external thing that we're imbibing or we're praising or whatever, that we don't give our power away to it, right? That we recognize that regardless of whether or not we have it, that we are still powerful and healthy and that microdosing and psychedelics and these other things can help us become more aware of that, but they can't give us any power that we don't already have. So one one sort of analogy is like Dumbo's feather, right? So Dumbo was this Disney character who could fly and he thought the only reason that he could fly was because he had this magic feather with him. And then only to come and realize that once the magic feather was taken away, that it was actually his mind that helped him to reach new heights. So a lot of this stuff just has a significant, we could say placebo effect where it's helping, you know, helping us to basically believe that we are more and we are capable of more. And we have to remember that specifically when we're microdosing and, and working with psychedelics, that if we want these changes to be tangible, that we need to integrate them. And that's why I talked about before, like if we're going to microdose or do high doses of psychedelics, the new practices that we adopt as a result of that are so much more important than just taking the substance itself, because that way you have a new, stronger foundation that you're continuing developing rather than just saying, oh, I'm not feeling so great today. Let me take a microdose of LSD to feel better. That's okay every now and then there's nothing wrong with that but it's much better to come from a place of centeredness and strength and just add on top of that rather than feeling like the only way that I can feel normal is if I do X, Y, and Z, right? So there's, there's obviously a balance in all of that. It's a very complicated sort of nuanced topic, but I hope that helps to explore some of the ways that, you know, I've dealt with it and sort of thought about yeah. uh, that process. I agree. Thank you. You guys have any uh, questions? Because I was going to ask Paul if he had any questions for us or any que or anything he'd like to say to uh, those listening that we might not have covered that he feels of vital importance before I kind of ask him a little bit about third wave and, and some other I stuff. I think I covered my questions that I had today. 
Sue? You too, Jeff? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm, I've got my final ones, but I want to kind of, you know, if you have anything you want to say or any questions for us, you know, hit us. I would say the, 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 the one question that I have for you, you, you talked about this a little bit, but just what brought you to, to working with psychedelic substances and what sort of the, the change and impact been on your own life? Um, so, um, I was law of the listeners know, but, but you know, I was born with a brittle bone disease, osteogenesis perfecta. Uh, I had to have 18 surgeries to walk again, um, from the ages of eight to 14. Um, I made my entire mission in life to learn to walk again. And then I got bullied freshman year high school, got into bodybuilding. Um, always been depressed, suicidal idolation. Um, 20, 30 times a day. It's very, very common for me to, to just kind of ponder that thought, existentialism and so forth. Um, kind of got tired of just letting everyone down around me personally. Um, did a shroom trip uh, early March of 2017 with my better half, Ashley. You know, she's always been into it and aware of it. And it changed me like I for about three to four weeks after I did it was two 2.5 grams of mushrooms. And by the way, kids, if you're listening, old school was a great movie to watch. But then when I went to Dr. Strange, shit got real fucked up. So don't put Dr. Strange on. Um, but uh, I felt at peace for a few weeks after that experience with her. Um, and then just I read avidly. I read 50 pages a day. I stumbled on through entrepreneurial books around this time, stealing fire. And then was like, they were microdose psychedelics and, and the depression was the big one that caught my eye. And pharmaceuticals didn't work for me. Um, if I took SSRIs, I would become a zombie. I didn't give a fuck. It's even worse than I typically am as a person. My default mode network because the past trauma is always on. I'm very rarely ever present. But when I take microdose, I can sit still through anything and it calms me down. Uh, chaos becomes order. Anger becomes, um, you know, peace. And uh, I'm able to, I guess, functional function kind of like everyone else has told me they function that I never related to. Um, I related to that, that story of 2017 with that woman. Um, recently, I can look back and say the past six months of my personal life has probably been nine months haven't been the best strictly because I've stopped microdosing because I, I didn't want to admit I needed it. You know, so my mind wasn't there yet. I mean, in bodybuilding, I don't give a fuck. I'll do what I got to do to show up and compete. That's a different mindset. But when it came to my mental health, I didn't want to admit I had to need this crutch that there was this thing there because I do it. I feel good, you know, and then you start getting back into old habits, old ways. So that's what let me down, man. I wanted I wanted I wanted the, the voices in my head that are bad. They're not like, oh, it's more like the devils and the angels. I wanted them to be quiet for a little bit so I could enjoy what life really was meant to be enjoyed. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Joe. No, thank you for asking. I, I really appreciate that. Um, I wanted to ask, um, what is Third Wave? What's the mission? How can people find it? What do you offer? I want to give you a chance to speak your platform as we round this out. So um, now I have one final little question for you on the way out. All right. So we started Third Wave in 2015. You know, the intention is how do we build a movement around the responsible use of psychedelics with the anticipation that, you know, millions and millions of people would start to use psychedelics for therapeutic and, uh, you know, peak performance um, uh, reasons. And, and so the focus now is continuing to develop uh, that ecosystem. 
and to ensure that as millions of people hear about these substances and are looking for help to use them in a safe and responsible way that we have uh, an educational platform that can help them to, to do that. So we focus a lot on microdosing because microdosing is for most people uh, the entry point into psychedelic substances. It's the way that most people feel comfortable starting to work with them before they start to go into you know, ketamine or high doses of mushrooms or ayahuasca or things like that. Um, and you know, the, 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 the intention is creating that trusted vetted ecosystem, uh, for the entire psychedelic space. And it has like a cool narrative, a cool, a cool story. We didn't go too much into this, but essentially third wave, third wave of psychedelics, the first wave was the indigenous use of these medicines for thousands of years, Plato, Aristotle in ancient Greece used, uh, something that was very similar to LSD. Um, you had Soma in ancient India, which was used, made from mushrooms, ayahuasca from, from the Amazon, uh, you know, DMT, uh, kashia root is talked about in the Bible. So there's all these sort of plant medicines that have been used for thousands of years that we just don't really have the awareness of. And then, and then the second wave of psychedelics was the reintroduction of psychedelics into sort of Western culture in the fifties and sixties with the counterculture. And now mm-hmm. we're in the third wave of psychedelics. And uh, that's sort of the, the narrative and story and movement. And we want to ensure that this third wave goes as good as possible. And then if people want to sort of find out more and get more involved, we have a microdosing program. So people want to, you know, we have a course that guides you through microdosing. Uh, we also have a live six-week coaching program called the Microdosing Experience. If people want, you know, one-on-one support and significant guidance as we're going through this the first time, we also offer uh, support with that. We'll open up the next one in March. And then, um, and then, you know, pretty soon within the next month, we'll launch a directory of retreat centers, clinics, therapists, and coaches. So pretty soon, if, if you're someone who, you know, you're interested in, in having the psychedelic experience, but you don't know where to go, or you don't know who to work with, or you don't know who to trust, we'll have a resource that will help point you in the right direction so that you can find uh, the right person or practitioner or clinic uh, to go to, to, to have a, an experience with these medicines. How can people personally connect with you? Like follow you, so, see what Paul's up to, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah in, Instagram and Twitter are usually the places that I hang out the most. Paul Austin, three W. Um, I'm on IG. That's where we connected, Jeff. Yes, sir. If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. and then and then Twitter, Paul Austin three W, and then third and then Paul Austin co has a few more details on it if anyone wants to you know work as a coach or have it, you know, get involved in any of our programs. It gives sort of an outline there about what I'm doing and what I'm up to. And then the third wave is the, the third wave.co is the URL for the third wave. And you also have a podcast. Do you want to plug that real quick too? And we have a podcast as well. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah. We publish a weekly podcast and typically those podcasts are with medical doctors, psychiatrists, therapists, practitioners, entrepreneurs, writers, mm-hmm. um, people who are just doing interesting shit. And we, we usually interview them about their personal psychedelic experiences and how those personal psychedelic experiences impacted their decision to become a writer or a researcher or a therapist or an entrepreneur or whatever else. And that's uh, the third way podcast that can be found on Apple, Spotify, you know, all the, all the major platforms. Thank you. Um, I actually have one final question for you. Where's Paul Austin right. in five years? Everyone Publishing always takes a deep mo- breath on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably living, probably living in Costa Rica. 
or British Columbia and some sort of integrative living place. I'm really interested in, in, in the future of integrated living, like, you know, living in a tiny house on 500 acres with 20 friends where we grow our own, all our own food and, you know, we have all our own stuff. So hopefully somewhere beautiful. And, and you know, what I intend to be working on, I, I've been doing business entrepreneur stuff the past six, seven years. I've started three successful businesses. And I think that phase is done now. I'm working on some stuff internally to um, get more and more sort of higher and build the team for third wave. And then pretty soon I want to start working on uh, my first book, which will probably take like, not my first book because I wrote the microdosing one, but the first sort of major publishing house, that one was independent, a self-published one. I want to work on the first sort of masterpiece and hopefully within five years that will be ready and out and, and, and published. So that's kind of where I see the, the general trajectory. And, you know, a lot of my work the last five years has focused on psychedelics and now psychedelics are sort of normal to some degree, not totally normal, but they're becoming more normal. And so I'm really interested in what's the next weird thing that most people go, why would I ever do that? And, and I want to build something to, to help people understand why they might want to do that. And I think that kind of gets into co-living and intentional living and moving to Costa Rica. That feels like you know, we're even seeing this right now in COVID where people who are living in LA or San Francisco are like, fuck that. I'm going to move to Austin and buy, you know, hundred acres with friends, or I'm going to buy an Island off the coast of Canada or whatever else people are really looking at, you know, what, what are these new communities and cities that we're starting to create and build? Dude, that is, that's definitely inspiring. Um, I don't know about the other guys, but I'm sure that I can speak for them. I'd love to have you back on and maybe talk about like what full blown trips are like, how you work with people on that. And like, you know, just helping because a lot of our listeners, just so you know, is 80% coaches themselves. So they deal with people who clients like ours who are going through mental stuff, who are, you know, on the fringe inside outside of maybe open to this type of um supplementation to work with something other than a pharmaceutical so i I think we could definitely do another one that's really a deep dive on um you know how to really get the most from this and and how to set up for safety and to make sure that you know it's a it's the hell of experience and i know i want to hit you up i think jay might be in with me jason but to do one of your uh whatever you do locally here in the u.s that we could get to um, that'd be dope i would yeah. love when we when we do it i i i think probably next year at some point we'll yeah that, we're, we're same COVID thing sort of yeah passes over and that'd be yeah. great to connect in person and do something yeah no i i love the experience i think that'd be great to just kind of be there and and hunker down i know ash would probably want to go and I, I would just really like to be there and kind of be around other people who you know are into what i'm into which is you know hopefully you know fucking up every day but figuring out how to fuck up a little bit less and, and get exactly. forward so but um, thank you so much for your time, Paul. I, I, I really appreciate it, man. This was awesome. I think this was super helpful to our audience. And I know I learned a little bit. I know those two guys did too. So thank you, man, for your time. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thanks for, thanks thanks for doing this and, and having us on. It was, it was fun to do, fun to jam with you all. Yeah, thanks, man. I look forward to it again. Guys, um, uh, next week at Sal Frisella, we're going to be talking nice. about the law of attraction. Um, as you all know, he's the president of First Form, the giant uh, supplement monster yep. in the industry and uh i've known that andy forsell has talked about the law of attraction and sal's going to come on to talk with about us next week and the last episode of the year we'd like to know q a so hit us up you guys got any questions you got anything for paul that i can filter to him and maybe bring up on the podcast feel free to but uh you all have yourself a great rest of the day and enjoy it mm-hmm.